last week we questioned whether anybody would be able to stand in the way of a Georgia three-peat. This week, we look at a couple of teams, maybe as many as three, that might be able to do so. It's the Big Ten, the ACC, the Big 12, and a few other conferences after that. On the second preview edition of Sixth Year Seniors. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I'm tired of losing to Purdue! I'm not here to round this week! That's why I got a college gift! That's why I was an All-American in Michigan! I could give a shit about North Carolina right now. Mikey, how you doing? What's going on, buddy? I'm all right. Just ate too many tacos, uh, so I'm settled in here for a little bit. I'm watching the San Francisco Giants piss me off in more ways than one. Uh, I, I guess I'll break the fourth wall here. If you can figure out a baseball schedule, I'm watching the Giants possibly lose the last game of the series to the Philadelphia Phillies. Do they not understand that I have a Phillies under 89 ticket that I'm trying to cash? Yeah, you know, you can't win them all, buddy. <laughs> Do they not understand? There's no. gambling implications here. Giants blew a 5-2 lead in the bottom of the ninth, and I think they're trying to blow an 8-5 lead in the bottom of the tenth now. Good grief. But that's okay. We're not here to talk baseball. We're here to talk football. I'm calm. That's correct. I'm cool. Everything's good. Everybody's 0-0 at this point. Oh, wait, I'm breaking another wall. (laughs) I, I guess we might be recording this before week zero, huh? We are recording this before week zero. Thank Jesus. Before we get going with this week's previews, some news is broke in the past week. Washington has lost their star running back, Cameron Davis, who scored 13 touchdowns as a freshman last year. Hmm. Big hit for the Huskies. It looks like Dylan Johnson, who is transferred from Mississippi State, will now be their main running back. I mean, it's next man up, but that's a big, big loss there. Especially in the Pac-12 where the margins are pretty thin. Of course, this gives you probably more hope in Oregon State winning the title. DJ Ugalele has been named starting quarterback. No real big surprise, but the Beavs made that official this past week. Sounds about right. Yeah, I mean, go Beavs. We'll see if, they, if they've got any magic they can pull swing here. And I do want to let you know that there is now a very well-respected gambler who I follow who has put a little piece of money on Oregon State to win the Pac-12 title, mainly because of DJ and that offensive line. Man, we really need this. We really, really do. So you're telling us there's a chance. There's a chance. (laughs) All right, let's get to this week's previews. Let's get right to the Big Ten. 
It's Michigan, Ohio State, and everybody else, right? I will hear an argument that Penn State might be able to get in there this year. I think this might be James Franklin's best Penn State team. But is it to the level of Michigan and Ohio State? I'm not 100% sure this year. But I think this is the best shot that that Penn State has of, of making things interesting. You know, I'll agree this is the best Penn State team in quite a number of years, but I don't think this is the best shot they've had just because Michigan and Ohio State are both so damn good this year. I think Penn State's going to have a probably the best 10-2 and two football team in the nation, but they're not going to be able to touch Michigan or Ohio State. And that's kind of what I'm afraid of. Are we sold on Ohio? Is Ohio State? Is their quarterback situation squared away here? They've got the best. They probably got the best receivers in the nation, which makes things a lot easier. We're nitpicking at this point with Michigan and Ohio State. I don't think Ohio State needs a quarterback. Their running game is so strong. All they need is somebody who can game manage, and Kyle McCord can definitely do that. I mean, that, that that's the trick. They don't need a quarterback. Between uh, between Travion Henderson and and Michael Williams, I, they're so deep at running back. Even if both those guys are injury prone, their third and fourth guys can probably start for most of the Big Ten. You're right. Oh, you're you're totally right on that front. Totally right on that front. Like I said, I'm 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 I'm, I'm picking this here. C.J. Stroud, big big shoes to fill. But again, when you got as many toys in the uh, in the box as Ohio State does on offense, you can you, you don't need to be a superstar under center. It always helps, though. It always helps because had had you switched, had you switched C.J. Stroud and uh, J.J. McCarthy last season, I think Michigan wins the national championship game. Oh. I, I think I think the margin was that slim there. I really do. I I, I think. I think a a top end quarterback puts Michigan over the over the edge here. And are we? What do we got in JJ McCarthy? What do we really have in JJ McCarthy? That's what I want to know. What's your take here? I think I still think Michigan. I think Michigan wins the Big Ten. I do, but I'm not totally sold on any of these teams being quite ready to step up to the big boys of the SEC, and maybe even a couple other teams out there that we'll get into in a little bit. Oh, really? Maybe. We'll see. Again, I'm nitpicking. I'm nitpicking the Big Ten. The Big Ten's on my shit list for all the shenanigans it pulled in the offseason, <laughs> breaking my breaking my, uh, my, my, my my dearest college football here. Well, you see, I, I don't really care. I've gotten to the point where I don't really care what they've done with college football. They are breaking my dear beloved college basketball. But well, if we want to rant, if yeah. we want to rant for another hour about that, it's not the place. We did that a week ago. Absolutely. JJ McCarthy is functional. I think he'll be better than Kyle McCord. But again, he has two running backs who are unbelievably talented. Yep. They talk about Blake Corum being a Heisman Trophy candidate. But frankly, I think Donovan Edwards is the better running back and could quite possibly be a dark horse for the Heisman this year. 
I don't think you're wrong on that front. Edwards is dynamite. And, and having that kind of one-two combination in the backfield absolutely helps matters. Is J.J. Is JJ McCarthy's uh, Studebaker Beretta the fourth? No, 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 no. He's better than Studebaker Beretta the fourth. He oh. is... Hmm. Who's the next one that we have mocked after Stetson? Uh, he, he He's a good game manager. He's maybe a little bit above a game manager. Uh, he's Ken Dorsey. How about that? Going back to last week. Colin Klein? There you go. Mm. I think Colin Klein might have been a little bit better than J.J. McCarthy, but there you go. It's in that realm. Yes. Okay. Maybe he's Taylor Martinez. No, he's not Taylor Martinez. Maybe he really is Taylor Martinez, and Martinez has just stolen J.J. McCarthy's ID to play his 12th college football season. McCarthy didn't throw 27 interceptions last season. So. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it's Michigan-Ohio State, and things get interesting if Penn State can, can knock off Ohio State on the road, which I don't think they will. We'll get a good look at Ohio State. That Notre Dame game early on in the season is going to be a big-time big uh, litmus test for the Buckeyes. That's a super huge non-conference game early in the season. Um, that's, but, where I Kyle, mean, that's where Kyle McCord has got to come around. He can obviously afford to be a game manager for the first three weeks of the season. But at Notre Dame, he's got to pull out a little something special. He's got to prove that he's more than just a game manager. It doesn't have to be great, but he has to be more than a game manager. He's got to be good. He doesn't have to be great. And and there you go. And that may be that may be the the whole, you know, the 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 whole key to the season for both Michigan and Ohio State. It's just who can who can, which quarterback can not screw up? It, 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 all you got to do is, like you said, manage the game. Be the game managers. Don't turn the ball over. Get the ball in the hands of your playmakers, which each team has a boatload of. And, 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 and don't screw things up. And that's kind of where Michigan got in trouble last year in the semifinal against TCU is they left points all over the damn field for three quarters of the game. That wound up costing them a shot. At Georgia, and like I said, and that's why, and that's why I say that had 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 they had the team swap quarterbacks, Michigan would have won the national championship. But you can't do that, obviously, in a vacuum. But it is what it is. Michigan, Ohio State, maybe Penn State, and then things get a little foggy. So, who do you have winning the division? Michigan, Ohio State, which essentially is who wins the Michigan Ohio State game. You know, you could have you could have said it last year. Uh, you know, I'm I'm big on the circle the calendar game. Michigan finally broke through at the big house two years ago, and Ohio State had 364 days to sit and stew and chew on it. With Michigan coming back to the horseshoe, and then Michigan punked them out in the second half of the game last season and ran away with the game and the Big Ten. And the Big Ten's playoff spot. You gotta think the motivation is there this season for Ohio State to turn it around. But I think this might be, I think this is probably Harbaugh's best Michigan team yet. They might be thinking in the back of the head, is this our last year with coach? Is Harbaugh looking for a way out <laughs> with all yeah. the all the shenanigans going? We got the three game suspension at the beginning of the season. There's all sorts of drama going around here. I think they can keep it under wraps for now. 
I think if Harbaugh stays around another year, things get out of hand. But I'm going with the Wolverines. I'm going with uh, with Michigan. I, I I think they're they're just too good, and I think I think at if you go position by position, their floor at each position is a little bit higher than Ohio State. It's close, and I think it'll be a good game uh, at the Big House in November. But I'm going to take Michigan. It would shock me if Ohio State dropped a stupid game along the way somewhere. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. I think the stupid game will be Notre Dame, actually. I, I can That's see about- the Buckeyes losing at Notre Dame. It'll be one of those fighting Irish magic things. But somehow Notre Dame beats Ohio State. It, if Ohio State beats Michigan, it doesn't matter if they if they drop one, no matter who it is. That's the whole. It's going to come down to the last game, and it, that is what it is. Penn State, prove me wrong. Nittany Lions, prove me wrong. No, that that's not happening. And by the way, I I agree with you that I think Michigan will win the Big Ten. I, we're not even talking about the championship game. That's a if. Either Michigan or Ohio State are less than a, what do you say, two-touchdown favorite in the championship game. I will be shocked. Yeah, I, I was, I was going to give, I was going to give, I don't even know, who, I don't know if it's Wisconsin or Iowa. I was going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say 12 and a half. But yeah, you're at 14, you're probably, you're probably right on that. But I think Jim Harbaugh is already gone. The fact that, Michigan self-imposed a three-game suspension after a four-game suspension negotiation didn't work with the NCA. Tells me that the NCA is coming back and saying, uh-uh, he's getting more than that, at which point Harbaugh is saying, okay, look, I'm gone. I, I ain't dealing with this shit anymore. And that might be the case. That might absolutely be the case. And, and again, that kind of, if there really is that kind of drama, that could that could affect some things in the season. So maybe it oh, is I, I think it, I think it affects it in a positive way. Okay. See, Kids that's kind of what I'm, I'm kind of thinking Harbaugh's they rally season. around it. So yeah. Penn state. Yes. Very good team. I can see them very easily being the best 10 and two team in the nation. However, there is a game one week before the Michigan game at Maryland that just screams trap. Yeah. And you're right it, on that. We have been waiting for the younger Tagovailoa brother to show up, maybe this is the year, hopefully. And if so, that's the kind of game where he throws for 400 yards, runs for another 100, and upsets Penn State. Hey, was it last year or two years ago they almost knocked off Ohio State? They had all they had. They had them on the goal line. I don't know if they had the. I don't know if it was a two point conversion or if they had it fourth and goal. And needed. To, I can't remember what it was. Had them on the ropes though. Had had to have been last year. It was forty three thirty last year. Two years ago it was a big blowout. Okay, I'm. Everything's running together. All y'all look alike. <laughs> Something like that. Maryland covered that game. That's the important part. <laughs> Good teams win. Great teams cover. Now, Penn State's got a decent team. I, I think people are making way too much about Drew Aller, the sophomore quarterback. They've got some nice running backs. The running backs in this division of the Big Ten are amazing. Good point. And, and, and Penn State would run away with this division if Michigan and Ohio State weren't in it. Penn State would win the West by three games if they were over there. Which but, is part of the problem. Thank God they're they're. I guess they're ditching the division next season, so... 
Well, it won't matter though, because then it'll just be it'll be the big game, and it'll be a rematch in the championship game. Well, not but not if you're but not if you're if if you're avoiding teams in the regular season, which is how it's going to wind up working. That's they, they will, true. They'll be able to balance the schedule better. And and then Rutgers somehow gets a favorable schedule, goes eight and one, and ends up in the Big Ten title game to only lose by fifty to Ohio State. Hey, let's sign us up. Hey, does does hey does Rutgers not finish last in the East? I don't think they finish last in the East. I think Indiana is that I, bad. I think so too. Indiana's pretty bad this season. Actually, that, Michigan State might be that bad as well. I'm curious to see how Michigan Michigan State two years ago. I mean, they were like, oh my goodness, you know, they got something here, Mel Tucker, and last year was just a disaster. I'm, I'm curious st- to see I'm how they bounce little, back. I'm still a little scared of playing against Michigan State wholeheartedly after the Kenneth Walker episode a couple of years back. They do have Jalen. They do have Jalen Berger, who used to play at uh, Wisconsin. But man, the rest of this team is just awful. I, I just I, I can't see Michigan. Michigan State might win their first two games and then not sniff a victory the rest of the season. I don't remember how, or I guess Northwestern did. Remember Indiana was so good there in the pandemic year? It's a, man, 2020 is a long time ago for the Hoosiers. God. Oh, yeah, that that's the year that they only lost one game. Yeah. That does seem like an awful long time ago. That was when Michael Penix was there. And that then was he left why. Washington. Yeah, that was why. Does Penix have any... Uh, Eligibility left. Is he going to be playing next year in the pack in the Big Eighteen? Whatever. Oh, I didn't think about that. I don't think so. I think I think he's done it. I think whether he has eligibility or not, I think he's going pro after the season. So that's true. That would be, be my guess. Yeah. Speaking of eligibility and, and going pro or not, the case does Cade McNamara have any uh, eligibility left after this season? <laughs> uh, let me see. Uh, yes, he's labeled as a junior. Actually. All right. So. So if if Cade McNamara can lead the Iowa offense to more than twenty five points a game, uh, he'll still have a job in Iowa City next season. Is that what you're telling me? Wait, did, because you mean, because you if mean, he doesn't, if he doesn't, Brian Brian Ferentz is out as offensive coordinator. This is the most hilarious thing of the season. It's the offensive coordinator has the twenty five points a game mandated in his contract, or he's gone. This is freaking amazing. Now, does that mean one game or an average for the season? An average, an average for the season. They've they've got to get twenty five points a game. Now, okay. what I haven't seen is whether the defensive points count on this. I have not seen a <laughs> a actual qualifier to see because we know Iowa's defense is going to put up a touchdown a game. We know this just due to the opponents they face, if nothing else. Now, we know last year Iowa players were betting the under on the Hawkeyes. Do you think this year they'll be betting the over? Look, here's the Because deal. you know they're stupid enough to continue betting. I oh, mean, absolutely. Or does that just go without saying? <laughs> no, absolutely. Here's the thing. And so the athletic director is technically the supervisor for Brian Ferentz because you, you've got a, a, a – you can't supervise your, your family. So Kirk Ferentz can't, is not technically in charge. Uh, 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 of his son's fate. Wait, However, wait, 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 wait. 
There's no technically involved of anything. Kurt Ferentz is not in charge of anything. If we learned anything <laughs> in the off season. <laughs> But here's, I mean, so my whole thing is, is Kirk Ferentz knows the spread, all right? So there's going to be opportunities to try to pad pad down those point totals to keep the alumni happy this season. Betting Iowa this season is going to be fascinating. Absolutely bet, bet, fascinating. Bet, bet, bet the overs. Bet the, bet overs. the overs. Especially early on because they're going to creep up as the season goes along. I really think this. Unless the offense is truly that pathetic. And maybe McNamara, you know, I was hoping that McNamara would come around and maybe give him a boost. We'll see. I don't know. I don't think Cade McNamara is no, you know, savior or anything like that. Well, he's also questionable now. He got hurt a couple weeks ago now in practice, and they're calling him questionable, at least for the opener. Oh, wow. But, yeah, you know, I, I just I just marked that Utah State game uh, as a possible over bet for week one. <laughs> we, will, you, we will keep. Because you, know, you, you got to stockpile those points, man. If you can put up 60 against Utah State, you, you got yes. some coverage on you right there. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. It's not a week-to-week thing. It's like banking while you can't. And that's what I'm saying. Kirk Ferentz knows the spread. He knows the spread for the season. So get him while you can get him. They're going to leave the starters in an extra couple of uh, an extra couple of series every game when they have the opportunity. Western Michigan in week three is another opportunity. That Western Michigan team is bad. Yes, it is. So okay, you pop you pop sixty on Utah State and Western Michigan. Now you get one hundred and twenty points, twenty five points over a twelve game season. That's three hundred. So you've already got one hundred and twenty of the three hundred you need right there. Bang. Yes. 18 over 10 games. Now you only need to average 18 points a game. Exactly. And it's all coming around. It's all coming around. I can see Iowa needing, like, say, about 30 points in the final game at Nebraska. And they're just throwing shit up in the air like it just doesn't matter. (laughs) Onside kicks. Onside (laughs) kicks. Yeah. So we've worked our way over to the Big Ten West now. I agree with you. I think I think Wisconsin's probably the best team. But uh, yeah. but you look at the schedule, and I can see Minnesota sneaking through and winning that, especially since they have they have Wisconsin at home in the key game. That's, that's the, the old uh, Paul, that's Paul Bunyan's axe, right? I can never keep up with the with all the. Uh... Big Ten trophies, but the only one I can keep up with is the uh, the the Continental Divide one, where Central Florida and somebody left it on the field. <laughs> Civil conflict. That's what it was. Civil conflict. <laughs> now somebody, now somebody said they they uh who God who was that now? Wait 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 wait. wait. How would they create a civil conflict trophy when they won't allow Oregon and Oregon State to have a civil war? What exactly is there between a conflict and a war? Well, because you don't have OSU and UO in the phrase "civil war," it was it was the civil conflict with UCF and Connecticut, and they used the letters to to make the shit up. I can't. No, I'm dead serious on this. Absolutely ridiculous. Who knows? Who cares? Somebody somebody said they needed to bring it back though for uh, for God. It was for Cal and somebody, and I can't remember who the other team was now. <laughs> 
Wait, Cal? Well, I mean, come on. For... Cal, Cal on Stanford is the game, and it's the axe. Who else could Cal possibly have a rivalry with? With UC with, Davis? With Central Florida. A cross-country oh, thing. Dear God. I, I don't remember who. It wasn't Central Florida, but it was, it was some goofy cross-country gimmick. Well, and they well, said they could, they could find, find the civil conflict trophy like Hacksaw Doug had found the TV title in the trash can. <laughs> and, and let's get this thing going. And let's fire it back up, you know? Well, okay, we could do something like uh, California against. Oh, my God. This is the way to get California and Stanford in the Big Ten. You can have Cal and Rutgers in the Intercontinental Conflict Trophy. That was it! That was Cal and Rutgers! That was it! And and get the Civil Conflict Trophy and, and we can and we can go with it. Oh my god. Yeah, that that's what we need. That we'll just take Rutgers out of the Big Ten, put them into the Academic Military Conference. Yes. There we go. Absolutely. We really need to trademark that term before somebody steals it from us. So Minnesota, they have Sean Tyler at running back, a thousand yard rusher from Western Michigan. They've got some decent wide receivers. Kalamah Monakis is going to be their quarterback. He's manageable. It's just the fact that they've got a better schedule. If I remember correctly, they don't play either Ohio State or Michigan. Oh no! Wait a minute. They do. They lose. They I think play them. They both. get Michigan at home, don't they? Yeah, but they're going to lose those games. Probably, it's, but you never it, know. It, it's the fact that they have Wisconsin at home. That's the key. They're going to sneak up on some people as the season rolls along. And I, I can see them being in a six and three tie with Wisconsin and somehow winning the conference title on the last day of the season, and then being a 20 point dog to Michigan in the title. Game. Oh, cut 20. Come on. It'll be 18 and a half. Come on. <laughs> no, no, one thing, um, one thing to keep an eye on one thing to keep an eye on with Wisconsin, they got Phil Longo coming up as OC from North Carolina. His offenses aren't necessarily the, uh, old big 10 Wisconsin offenses that we've seen from Barry Alvarez back in the day. So I'm curious to see how that's going to play out and whether whether they can leverage that to an advantage of, you know, of being maybe a little ahead of the offensive game, particularly the Big Ten West. I know it's a low bar with Iowa there. I, I'm going to ride with Wisconsin. I just think there. I, I I just think there's less question marks across the board. Well, with the and, new offensive coordinator, they also have Tanner Mordecai at quarterback from SMU. So they have yeah. somebody who can throw the ball around. The question is. is can they do that in November when it starts getting cold up there? We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see how it works. We'll see how it works. But I'm going I'm to lean on the Badgers here just because, you know, way to doubt take Wisconsin in the West. Yeah, yeah, that's not wrong. You're not wrong, yeah. In Nebraska, Matt Rule. I was going to tra- ask you about Nebraska. What do you think about Matt Rule coming in? He's trying to change the culture. The culture needs to be changed. That's for damn sure. He's got Jeff Sims, the former Georgia Tech quarterback. He's probably a couple of years away from being a good team, but this schedule works out that I think they can be bowl eligible. I see them with seven wins. But mainly that's, that's because you look at you look at their their opening schedule. 
Second game at Colorado, third game, Northern Illinois, fourth game, Louisiana Tech. There's three wins. Then you look at the middle of their schedule. Northwestern, Purdue, at Michigan State. There's three more wins. That's six right there if they don't screw up. Yeah. And, hell, if they can get to a bowl, Lincoln's going to explode. You might be you might be right on that. He did a look for as much of a disaster as his run with the Carolina Panthers went. He did a hell of a job rebuilding that Baylor program in a hurry after Art Briles set it on fire. It's a it's an interesting fit here, and it's not a bad gamble here for for Nebraska on this. We'll we'll, we'll see how it plays out, but I'm cautiously optimistic. Purdue has former Texas quarterback Hudson Card. Do you think oh, wow. they can make some waves? I don't think so. They're gonna need, you know, they're gonna need a, a, a lot to go their way. They got Graham Harrell coming in to run the offense. You know, he'll, he's not not afraid to spread it out. Old Texas Tech guy, poor one up for Mike Leach. So. Yeah, I don't know. They, they have a semi favorable schedule. They might be able to get to six wins. It'll take some work, but. At least they have Northwestern in their division. So there's a guarantee. <laughs> I This is ugly. It's old news, obviously. Pat Fitzgerald is out as coach after overseeing a team that had been apparently sexually abusing their teammates for years, unbeknownst to the coaches, supposedly. Wink, wink, hint, hint. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just, that's just ugly. And I am shocked that I, I, I literally, literally am shocked. This is happening at Northwestern. I expect this from real football schools, but not Northwestern. Real football schools. No, very good point. Northwestern's absolute dumpster fire. What a shit show. They did not win a game in the United States last year. <laughs> Can that streak continue this year? Can it? They have Howard at home on October 7th. Can they beat Howard? They should beat Howard. That's the only game they'll win this season. Wasn't it Howard that beat UNLV in the biggest? It was. What was it? About seven, eight years ago? The monkeys in the truck are pulling this one right now. I I don't remember exactly. I want to say it was about a 45. Five-point favorite? 2017, they were a 45-point dog at UNLV and won 43-40. I can't remember the year, but I can remember the spread. (laughs) It was week one. Week one of 2017. And I believe that's... No, that actually didn't end up starting the Marcus Arroyo year, or era. Um, Arroyo came in a few years after that, shockingly. So yeah, let's go Howard. October 7th, beat Northwestern. You got anything else on the Big Ten? Uh, Mercifully, no. We will keep a running total each week of the the Brian Ferentz uh, 360-point, whatever it is. We'll we'll come up with a better gimmick name for it. Uh, The Brian Ferentz job on a pole. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's roll from the Big Ten to a much more competitive conference. How about the Big 12 which now, usually, they've been under the number. Now they're over the number again. Uh, I think they have 15 teams this year. It's a gazillion. No, they got four. They got 14 this year. Is it 14 right? this year? 
think they got 14 this year. Still can't count. Of course not. That'd be too easy. Academics in the Big 12, not very high. Well, that, you, you remember the, the, the Kevin Sullivan promo talking about the Big 8? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> they are on academic probation because they can't count. They can't stick to a game plan. Now, now I need to find that clip. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll, I'll get it for you. It's real obvious to me and obvious to anybody that follows college sports. Nobody from the Big Eight can follow a game plan. No one from the Big Eight has ever been an academic champion. And all the Big Eight colleges, they write with big crayons because they're either academically not smart enough to go to any other major college or they're on probation for being football problems, basketball problems, now baseball problems. Everybody knows that in the Big Eight, they have to have signs to show them how to follow a play or how to go to the men's room. Who you got in the Big 12? In my mind, unfortunately, it looks like it's Texas and Oklahoma, one, two, before they leave for the SEC. You know, Oklahoma struggled last year. They won't be as bad as they were last year, but I really... it. it I don't see a way here where Texas doesn't win the conference to close it out. And then, and the ultimate here, because I, I, I think I'm thinking big picture here. Texas wins the big 12 and they haven't won the big 12. I can't remember the last time they won the big 12, What 2009, something like that. I don't know. Um, they finally come back, win the conference. Rah, rah, rah. Texas is back, baby. And I mean for real back. Not this week one, week two, big win non-conference crap. I mean for real back. Texas is back, baby. And then they go to the SEC next year, go five and seven. Well, and Quinn Ewers will transfer. To, a, to another SEC school. No, that that be, would be perfect. And beat them in the regular season <laughs> next year. That would be perfect. Because you know how Ewers isn't sticking around. That's how it's going to work, and I, I just I, I just feel like that's the that's the way that makes the most sense here. I do think Kansas State has a shot, and Texas does draw Kansas State on the uh, on the schedule uh, later in the season. So at home though, yeah, it's the, uh, yeah. So something to keep an eye on. Kansas State, you know, they won the Big 12 last year. TCU, you know, undefeated regular season, won the Fiesta Bowl. Kansas State beat them in the Big 12 title game. I think a lot of people are forgetting that. Will Howard's back. They got a pretty good offensive line. They've got some they got some weapons on the outside. I think Kansas State's good enough to to keep things interesting around the edges here, even if they lose that game to Texas there in the season. They don't have Oklahoma on the schedule, and I'm not sold that Oklahoma is all the way ready to roll yet. And here's the, if they're not, if Oklahoma stumbles early on first part of the season, Brent Venable's seat's going to be hot, hot, hot in a hurry. That That's very true. All it'll take is one or two losses by Oklahoma, and all of a sudden that second place is wide open, and we get... Mikey's matrix of doom for the Big 12 second pit slot. I mean, they got their pants pulled down on national television last year by Texas in the Red River shootout. If that happens again, it's it, it, it's going to be ugly. 
the rest of the schedule isn't horrible for Oklahoma. Again, they don't get Kansas State. They've got... They do got to go on the road to Cincinnati. Cincinnati's not as, as good as they've been uh, in prior years. They get UCF at home. They, they do have to go on the road to Oklahoma State. And if there's a game with a drunk, violent atmosphere in college football this season, so go ahead and circle November 4th. Bedlam, Oklahoma at Oklahoma State. It's the last game being played for a while, and Oklahoma State fans are livid that Oklahoma is bailing on the series the way they are. That is going to be the hottest crowd of the season. Mark it down right now. But Oklahoma probably still wins that game because Oklahoma usually wins that game. I still don't trust Oklahoma enough to ride with them. I, I, I want to take Texas over Kansas State in the title game. Well, here's the other thing to think about with Oklahoma. Dylan Gabriel is still their starting quarterback. Dude, again, medical research project. There's not a lot of talent behind Gabriel at quarterback. He gets hurt. Oklahoma's in some severe trouble. They've got, I guess they got some hot shot freshmen coming in. But again, true freshmen. No red shirt. No proven commodity here. Like we said last week. It's Division One football. It's the Big Twelve. You can't just—it's not just plug and play, and you can go. So, yeah, you may be able to make some plays, but with those plays also comes turnovers. Oklahoma's margins here are are mighty slim. I, I agree with you, and I hope they slip up to make that second place battle interesting. Uh, by the way, at Kansas State, I, I always have to uh, bring this up. I am shocked that CM Punk is still playing wide receiver there. (laughs) My boy, Phil Brooks. (laughs) Tell me when I'm telling lies. (laughs) By the way, he's back in AEW and making waves. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to, I'm really looking forward to him beat the shit out of the young bucks. Uh, But on a wrestling standpoint, I'm just, I'm waiting for him to, to pull something magical as far as bookings concerned with MJF. We'll, we'll we'll see if that if that comes around. What we need is he and MJF to turn face and beat the hell out of the young bucks. Yeah, that's not going to happen. That, old Tony's not going to let that happen. Oh no, no, I'm saying it's a locker room brawl. You know how Tony? Oh, big? oh, you say it's a shoot? Yeah, you, you know how Tony's big on his on his gimmick matches. It's a locker room brawl. Oh my God, there's something happening in the back. And all of a sudden they go, wait, wait, wait. This isn't on the format sheet, man. <laughs> <laughs> Work the owner into a sheet. That's fantastic. Back to the Big 12. If any if any owner could be worked into a shoot, it'd be it, it Oh, would it'd be, be Tony Khan. Yeah. Even more than Bischoff was. <laughs> and Bischoff got that with Pillman. So. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I respect you, Booker man. Got Kevin Sullivan, reference number two. So hilarious. If there's a team that I think can shock people in the Big 12 this year, it might be Texas Tech. Raiders might be frisky this season. I, again, it's a matter of people stay healthy. Tyler Shaw, late of Oregon, uh, late of maybe somewhere else. Again, medical research project. If he can stay healthy, he's a really good quarterback. 
Offensive line has 142 starts. They got a lot of guys back. Yeah. And they avoid Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. They are at Baylor. That is probably their biggest road trip. That's so a I mean, winnable the, game. The, yeah, the, the schedule is very manageable. I, I, I like where you're going there with, with Texas Tech. Like I said, they, they, they closed the season strong last, last year. And with all that back, it's they're getting some buzz. And I think, and I think it's deserved. Iowa State, of course, has all the gambling issues. We talked about those in the very first episode. I don't know what to think because you don't know who's going to be on the field for them. And at the same time, who knows where their brains are going to be because every play is going to be scrutinized. Yep. And, and that's the biggest problem with players gambling on their sport. It's not that they're trying to win or lose a game. It's that every play is scrutinized because of the possibility. Iowa State's going to be a mess. Of the new teams coming to the Big 12, can any of them do much of anything? I, th- I think of the four this season... I think UCF's probably in the best spot to to be successful, but I don't think any of them are going to really challenge for the conference title. I think UCF's going to be middle of the pack. They'll win if, if they can go five and three or uh, six and three. Uh, I, I think they they'd be happy with that. Oh, I think, but they'd I be don't thrilled with that. they're not going to get any better than that though. Yeah. I I think that's the ceiling for UCF this season. Um, I have them at four and five. That's, that's probably a realistic call there. They're catching, you know, everybody's coming in, you know, like off the, you know, Houston was good a few years back. Cincinnati was, was, uh, had, had their run a a couple years ago, made the playoff um, a couple years ago. Of course, UCLF won their national championship, you know, asterisk next to that. And, of course, BYU. BYU maybe BYU's the best of the of the ones coming in. I don't know. I, I, I'm curious. I, I like BYU especially because of the, the scheduling issues. Everybody's got to go all the way out to Utah. You know, Provo's not an easy place to get to. I think their home field will be a definite advantage this year, especially first time coming in. BYU doesn't have a lot of electric talent, though, so they've got to outsmart teams. And I'm not sure how well they'll be able to do that on a week-by-week basis. If they can get to six wins, I think that'll be an accomplishment for BYU. Gotcha. And Houston, Cincinnati, like you said, it's, it's like the guy in airplane. I picked the wrong week to stop sniffing glue. Yeah, exactly. That, that's they the case the wrong year to them. join the conference. Yeah. They'll be long term, I think they'll be fine in the league, but not this year. That's the problem. TCU, fantastic season last year. Big ups to Sonny Dykes for what they did. They will not repeat that this season. I don't think I'm going on a limb to say that. They lost a shit ton of talent off that magical team last season. You mentioned Baylor earlier being the toughest game, maybe, on, on Texas Tech's draw. Big year for, for Dave Arnada here. We'll see, or Dave Arnada, Dave Aranda. We'll see if the Bears can build and take the next step or not. I'm not quite sold on that yet. Who the hell knows what's going on with Oklahoma State? Can Kansas, can Kansas continue the uh, the, the rebirth from last season? 
I, I was going to hope that you'd get there eventually. I want to talk about them as well. I think they can get to a bowl game again. Uh, I actually have them at seven wins, which is pretty comfortable. They can start the season four and zero, and maybe even as much good as five and one. They are at Texas in week five. That'll probably be a marker to see how good they are. If they can be competitive with Texas, then maybe they can be five and four in the Big Twelve. I have them right now at four and five. Gonna feel like if you can't, if you're four and five in the league, you're you're jump through hoops. Yeah, you're. you're that's a win. Three, so. That's a yeah, win. Absolutely. Yeah. Lance Leopold, just 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 keep the ball rolling, buddy. Just you you what you did last season was fantastic. Just, just, uh, I'm not even asking for a for an improvement. Just, just keep the line steady, and you'll be all right. Yeah, he's got both quarterbacks back, Jalen and Jason. So the offense will be electric. The question is, can the defense improve? What do you got on West Virginia? Uh, Neil Brown, hot seat, warming up there. Can uh, can he hold them off? We'll see. Oh boy, yeah. I. I don't see them being bowl eligible, and if that's what it takes to keep his job, I say he gets his resume going. Yeah, I think that's going to be the case. Which is too bad because I like him. Old Troy guy did a hell of a job down with my Trojans. Never quite fit right in Morgantown. We'll see. But with that, let's roll to the ACC. Your country. Oh, Jesus. Do we have to? Can... Anyone stop Clemson? ACC, like some of the other conferences, moving to one massive division. What it looks Good. like? It, it looks like twenty-seven teams here as I look at the schedule. Right. <laughs> it's fourteen. It's fourteen teams, but everybody plays in or the Notre Dame's in everybody's rotation. But no, can anybody uh, get to Clemson? No. And I'm, that comes with a huge caveat of all the people who are running their mouths and flapping their gums about how Florida State is back. You got to prove it to me first. Y'all put some things together last season, and by the end of the year, look look pretty darn good. I'm not ready to to go out on that ledge yet and say Florida State's all the way back. I believe third week of September, for like fourth week of the season. I think it's the fourth week of the season. Uh, At Clemson. Clemson. And Florida State, yeah, we're going to find out in a hurry uh, what the score is on that. And I have a hunch it's uh, it's not going to bode well for the Seminoles. Well, Just the, a hunch. The gum flapping may stop in week one when they play LSU. Well, they can, they can you know, they, even if they lose that game, they can, they can make excuses for that one. Oh, it's the SEC, it's first, you know, first game of the season, we're still getting our legs, all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. Well, and, it's stupid, I know, but the, the 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 fan base will buy it. They won't buy it if they get their ass kicked by Clemson, and that's the problem. Their their measuring stick right now is not LSU. Their measuring stick is Clemson. The trick is, is Florida State's schedule is so easy. They could finish ten and two, and they still not be any good. You look yeah. at the you look at the road schedule. Other than Clemson, it's at Boston College, at Wake Forest, at Pittsburgh, at Florida. None of those teams may finish the season, other than Clemson, over 500. You're true. Absolutely, absolutely right. You know, so whereas Penn State might be the best 10-2 and two team in the nation, Florida State might be the worst 10-2 and two team in the nation. Could be. Absolutely. 
and then they'll play in a bowl and Penn State will blow them out and we'll never know how good either team was. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll play in the Orange Bowl or whatever it is, yeah. There is a team that I think can sneak up on the ACC, and again, not because they're the best team, but because of their schedule, and that's the Louisville Cardinals. I have heard a lot about the Louisville schedule in the offseason, and when you go and look at it, it's an absolute joke. Uh, again, gamblers I respect. One of them says Louisville could well be a favorite in every game they play, and yeah. that includes Notre Dame traveling to Louisville. Now, it might only be a point, but they could be the favorite in that game. They avoid both Clemson and Florida State, and then they get everybody else of any note at home. Pittsburgh yeah. is probably their biggest road game. Pittsburgh's off a bye. Louisville coming off Notre Dame. A little bit of a trap there. But Louisville could be pretty good at that point. And Pittsburgh may not be that good. Louisville's schedule's hilarious. Take out the Notre Dame piece of it. Which ultimately doesn't matter in the conference standings. Might matter in, in terms of, you know, New Year's Six Bowls and things like that. Louisville's getting a lot of buzz. Uh, and again, it, it's all schedule-related and not uh, not necessarily talent-related, which is kind of bullshit, but it is what it is. It's college football. Yeah, I said because, again, not only do they avoid Clemson, Florida State, they also avoid your North Carolina Tar Heels. All you have are, to do are, is finish second, and I can see them finishing second in this conference with this schedule, and then in a one-off game... Anything can happen. Anything can happen in the World Wrestling Federation and the Atlantic Coast Conference. It is ACC football. I, I I don't see I don't see anybody catching Clemson here. Even even Louisville, even Louisville. No, they, they don't have to. They don't have to until the conference championship game. That's my point. No, nah, and it won't happen. It won't happen in the conference championship game either. That's my point. Ah, okay. You can you they they can make them run for second because they didn't play nobody in the schedule, uh, but at some point at some point the bill comes due. There's no such thing as a free lunch. So we do have to talk about your North Carolina Tar. No 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 <laughs> we don't. We do not have to talk about them nor any nor any quarterback on their team. At what point in the season will you have to raise your blood pressure medication? Let's see. It's uh, they play South Carolina on September second. How about October thirty first? How about that? <laughs> Good God! I can see them go. And I I told you this earlier in the year, so I'm not. I'm not. I know. I'm, I'm not shocking Mikey with this. I can see North Carolina going ten and zero to start the season before losing at Clemson, and of course losing at NC State. Yeah, NC State Super Bowl. Yeah, big big, big deal for the Wolfpack there. Um, I'm buying you. Not... A, I am buying you a Drake May Heisman ticket. God no, you are not. <laughs> Edit that off the show. Monkeys in the truck. Get, no, get him out of here. 
This is a bunch of bullshit. We did this two years ago with, with Sam Howell. We're not doing this again. We're North Carolina is not going to the playoff. North Carolina is not winning the ACC. North Carolina is not going to the ACC championship game. And Drake May is not going to the downtown athletic club to be even a part of a ceremony, let alone be presented any hardware. Let's go ahead and get that out of the way right now. I have no delusions of grandeur. I've been watching Carolina football for way too long to know better than that. Carolina's probably got a pretty good football team this season, but they'll lose two games that they got no shit in business losing, and and they'll you know they're going to go eight and four or whatever, and, and I'll be kicking rocks at the end of the season, lamenting about how they should have went eleven and one, but they gave the games away because that's what Carolina football does. That's my preview on Carolina football right there. And if you enjoy, they're, they're eleven and one good. They'll go eight and four. And if you enjoyed that, stay with us every week as Mikey recaps another North Carolina spectacle that causes his blood pressure to spike. Yeah, you, yeah, you can follow along as the season goes along and watch me uh, just just devolve into a lunatic. I know that's why you come here every year. That's that's good. I th- thanks, Alan. I appreciate that. Thanks for looking out for my mental health. <laughs> no problem at all. No yeah, problem at all. What one eight hundred suicide prevention center? Good grief. Anybody else in the ACC that's worth talking about? Is Miami any good? Uh, it depends. Is Tyler Van Dyke still a first-round draft pick? Oh, gee. No. <laughs> then no. <laughs> <laughs> Miami's, been as ba- Miami's been back as many times as Texas has, and neither of them are still back. So, NC State gets Brennan Armstrong from Virginia. I'm not that's sure good, that Brennan... that's, a, that's a good ad for state. I, I like that. Really? You think so? Yeah, I do. I, the problem is he doesn't have anybody to throw to. That's the problem. See, I'm not sure that Brennan Armstrong was really ever a really good quarterback. He was just able to throw a lot of passes. You're not wrong on that front. I think, I think he was pretty good. Virginia never had no defense. Here's the thing. Kind of flips here. I like state's defense. I don't think, I, I just think they're limited on offense. Because they don't have any anybody proven really anywhere else besides Armstrong. And like and to your point, Armstrong's good, but he's not a game changer. So I think the ceiling's limited for the state offense there. But I think their defense is legit. Let's see, I'm looking through my notes here. Oh, you, do you remember Haynes King? Not off the top of my head. Formerly of Texas A&M. He, he was supposed to be the guy about three years ago at Texas A&M. He's now down at Georgia Tech. Ah, okay. Uh, and then Virginia, feel-good story of the year, Mike Hollins, who was involved in that bus shooting last year, returned in the spring for football practice. That's good. So before we go to the Group of Five conferences, it might be time to take a break and think about a possible vacation. And if that's the case, who might you call? Yeah, if you need a break for your mental health, call up our girl, Wendy Prater, at Magical Journeys Travel. Where you want to go, where you need to be, custom itineraries for you and your traveling crew, Florida, California, all-inclusives, all-major cruise lines, she does it all. Wendy can take care of your next awesome getaway. Hit her up on social media, WP Magic Journeys on Facebook, Instagram, I Twitter X whatever the hell they call it now all those stupid gimmicks, but she uh, she'll definitely take care of you. Hit her up. Tell her you heard about her on Sixth Year Seniors. 
She'll give you $25 off your next trip deposit. Wendy Prater at Magical Journeys Travel. She makes the plans. You make the memories. All right. Let's take a look at the two independents that did not play on week zero. That'd be Army and Connecticut. Army is putting in a new offense, much like Navy, trying to get away from that triple option. It seems like the lineman cut rule that was instituted a couple of years ago has really affected both the military schools yep. and they're changing out offenses. However, there might be enough talent here and the schedule might fall right that I think Army might be able to get to six wins and all three military academies get bowl eligible this year. Oh, big boy statements. Well, look at the schedule. They're at Louisiana Monroe, Delaware State. And again, they're playing two uh, FCS, F, whatever. The, the ones who play for a real championship. <laughs> Schools, again, so they've got to get to seven wins uh, if they beat both Delaware State and Holy Cross. So just keep that in mind. Last okay. year, they went six and six and weren't bowl eligible because of that. Lamo, Delaware State, Boston College, UMass. Holy Cross, Coastal Carolina, that's six wins. Granted, against two division, uh, one double A teams, hell. But maybe if they can beat Navy in the final game of the season, that could be win seven and make them bowl eligible. I, uh, it's possible. I, it's their best shot. I mean, if it's not that, then they have to beat Troy, and I don't think they're capable of that. No, they're not beating Troy. Meanwhile, UConn, off its best season in years, Jim Mora Jr. That's right, he's not Jim Mora Jr. It's, it's odd, middle name, different thing. Uh-huh. But anyway, Jim Mora, 6-7 and seven last year with UConn. Can he keep that up this year? I don't think so, but it's not, he's not going to back, back into the doldrums like before. We'll say that. Yeah, no, not by any. It won't be that bad. I have them at five wins. They need to find a sixth somewhere. That's five sounds about right. The second game of the season at Georgia State might end up being bowl on a pole by the end of the season. Mm, uh huh. They're also at James Madison late. They might need that one. If they can take care of business at home, it's road wins like that that will get them to bowl eligibility. So from there, let's go to one of the most fun conferences in the nation. It is time for the Sun Belt. The Fun Belt, baby. Sun Belt, American, Mountain West. That's going to be the reason to watch football this year. Or maybe going forward, too. Well, yeah. Oh, well, that goes without saying. I just assume everybody knows that football will be destroyed by 2024. Uh, pretty much, yeah. So who you got here in the in the fun belt? It's a homer play, but I'm taking my Trojans. Are you? I am. Won the belt. Won the belt last season. They've got. They are tied with Georgia for the longest, uh, or, or right behind Georgia for the longest winning streak in the nation. We're gonna say, hey, come come, come and get it. I th they lost a little bit on defense, but I I think they'll be able to to fill that easier than having to fill any any issues with offense. Offense is going to be good. Defense will be okay. We'll see what happens. They uh had a little here's the thing. they had a little 
a little luck last season, but they also lost that ridiculous, stupid Hail Mary game at App State on College oh, Game Day. Right. So we're gonna call it we're gonna call the luck break right down the middle. There's no regression to the mean here. Eleven wins last season, really, really good. Good to go. Let's uh, let's roll again. They also get a key game against South Alabama at home. Exactly. They've got a belt for that game. I can't remember the name for the belt. I think it may just be the battle for the belt. I think that's the I think that's the name of the game. The just battle for the, the belt. belt, huh? Just the belt, yeah. Well, it's better it's, than it, giving it some ridiculous name nobody can remember. Yeah, it's it's I th- I think it's actually the old continental heavyweight title. I think. <laughs> Don't hold me to that. That's and if it's great. not, it needs to be. And of course, your brother from another mother, Gunnar Watson, at quarterback still at Troy. Absolutely, my cousin. Now, South Alabama is going to be tough. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me at all if in the first couple weeks, was oh, it's the Oklahoma State game on September 16th that I think they can win, even though it's on the road. And all of a sudden, everybody's going to start looking at South Alabama as a possible group of five nominee for the New Year's Day Bowl. Mm-hmm. Of course, at that point, when Troy beats them, Troy might be able to work their way into the group of five spot. We'll see. I'm not that confident on my Trojans, but it could be in play, especially depending on how things play out in the Mountain West. Well, I'm I'm thinking the American's going to break out crazy. We talked about that last week. Yep. Boise just plays straight up and wins. Yeah, Boise's going to be tough to to knock off. But you got to figure that the Sun Belt between South Alabama and Troy would be the next team up in that scenario. Say if, say if Wyoming or Air Force knocks off uh, Boise. I mean, Boise's schedule, you know, they've got, some, they've got some challenges out of conference, too. And if they stumble in conference, it's going to open wide open. Uh, Troy's got, they're at Kansas State, and then every other game on their schedule, you scroll down it, they can totally win those games. I'm not going to go out on the limb and say they're going to be favored in all of them, but they could be favored in all of them. So it'll be interesting to see if Troy can uh, thread the needle on that front. The only trick I see with that is if they lose to Kansas State and then they beat South Alabama late in the year, they're at Southern Mississippi with nothing to play for in the last week of the season. And, and, and maybe there will be something to play for if they're that close to a group of five spot. But I could see them letting off the gas, knowing that that game means nothing, and yeah. losing to Southern Miss. I would hope that there's enough old rivalry in that because they used to play back in the day. But again, it's been dormant for, for a while now. Hope there's enough juice to, to keep, keep everybody on, a, on point there. And speaking of Southern Miss, Frank Gore Jr. is back once again. The last time we saw him, he was rushing for 329 yards against wow. Rice in the Lending Tree Bowl. That's right. He hopefully will have a quarterback this year so that he can just play running back. <laughs> I forgot that. They've been so bad the last couple of years. Yeah. I, I could see Southern Miss making a, or making a bowl. And if so, that'd be cool. Because again, we'd get to see Frank Gore one more time. The only problem with this is, man, he has carried the ball so many times in college. I wonder if he's going to have any gas left in him for the pros. Very good question on that front. At Arkansas State, ex-Colorado quarterback. How many times have we heard that this year? 
JT Shroud is going to be the starter. I mean, there's Colorado quarterbacks all over Division One football right now. Not wrong. Not wrong. Let's see. On the other side, because they do play divisions in the Sun Belt, on the other side is Appalachian State. They're probably a solid favorite there. If I remember correctly, they have the big game against Marshall at home, and that should make the difference. App State, Marshall, and James Madison's still not eligible to yeah. win the con- They're there, too. A couple years back, the, all the power was in the East. It's it's balanced out in the West. you got South Alabama and Troy out there now. It's split up pretty good here. And, again, the, the regional... The regional beef across the league here is glorious. I love it. It's everything we love about college football. It's not on the super-duper mass scale that, you know, TV might like. But this is good. And that Eastern Division uh, three-way dance is going to be fantastic. And you can't forget Coastal either. Grayson McCall is Absolutely. now a junior. Uh, we'll be looking at him, I'm sure, in a couple of years and asking when he gets his AA pro card but it's good to see that he is sticking around at coastal rather than transferring to a bigger program yeah hell, hell coastal shit it's a three-way dance four-way dance forgot about coastal didn't have had them scribbled down the bottom well okay does madison really count if they're not eligible i count them damn it it's still real to me damn it whether, <laughs> I, whether or not they're eligible for it's stupid. Yeah, you know, that's something that pro wrestling hasn't done yet, is had like a three or four way match, but said, if this guy wins, he still doesn't win the title. Yeah, he's not eligible because he just came into the promotion in the last 30 days. <laughs> Where's that gimmick at? That's a great gimmick for pro wrestling. That's a great gimmick. Extremely stupid for the NCAA. Yeah, exactly. But pro wrestling, we're here for it. Anything else in the, in the Sun Belt? Nothing that's jumping out at me. I'm curious to see if uh, the Raging Cajuns can uh, can bounce back after B- Billy Napier went to Florida. Uh, they had some transfers out. We'll see if if uh, they get a little luck uh, swinging back to them this season. That's really about it. That's the only real note outside the the big dogs. Top half of that conference is really good. Really good. Good enough to take on top 20 teams on the road and challenge them. For 60 minutes, good. Yes, exactly. Exactly. They, they will make the first month of the season very entertaining and make some Power 5 teams sweat, for sure. Exactly. All right, final conference. The Mid-American. <laughs> you got to give them credit for consistency, I guess. No one wants to go Matt. to them, but nobody wants to leave. They know what they are. They're a group of schools that have very, very similar uh, needs and wants. They know who they are, and they're not trying to pretend to be anybody else. We need more of that in college sports, for God's sake. That is true. I shouldn't mock them. Doesn't make it necessarily super interesting, but hey, it's what college sports is supposed to be. Regional beef, and you got teams in Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, Illinois, all clustered together, and they're going to get together on Tuesday and Wednesday nights later in the season, and they're going to provide us some entertainment value, and I'm here for it. Yeah, that's very true. Mac is the ones that start midweek football. Mac shit. Yep, absolutely. Toledo's got to be the favorite. Daquan Finn back at quarterback. Fully healthy, we hope. 
Top four running backs also return. Toledo's loaded. They should get through the conference unbeaten, but it's tough to travel. The talent levels are pretty slim from top to bottom here. You never know what's going to happen in the MAC, but they you got to figure Toledo's going to be favored in every game in conference. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I've got I've got Toledo comfortably ahead of anyone else in the league. But I guess Ohio would probably be next. Yeah, Ohio and Miami of Ohio on the other side of the on the Eastern Division. Toledo should not have any problem with the teams in their division. Central Michigan, you might be able to make a little bit of a case for. Maybe Northern Illinois, but that's only because Rocky Lombardi's back for his 19th season. I, do you remember when Rocky Lombardi, Rocky Lombardi was starting ahead of Kirk, Kirk Cousins at Michigan State? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> wow. That's a good pull. Hey, uh, do you remember Lane Hatcher from Arkansas State and Texas State? No, I do not. You do not remember Lane Hatcher? He was a no. decent little quarterback. Now he's at Ball State. Uh, Ball State also got Marquise Cooper, the running back from uh, Kent. Kent just had a mass defection. Yeah. Cooper's a good running back. Ball State might be able to do some things. Then over in the other division, like I said, I think it's Ohio and Miami of Ohio. Miami actually has that game at home, if I remember correctly. Nope, take it back. Ohio has that game at home. And that home field might just be the difference. Might be it for the Bobcats. Fun, uh, fun note to keep in mind, season opener, Miami of Ohio at Miami, Florida. Yes. Yeah, Good I love stuff. that. I love that. Win- winner gets to keep the name. <laughs> well, winner doesn't have to put the state name behind them. Winner Ohio does have Curtis Rourke back from an ACL tear late last year. They also have a couple of really entertaining players, Shea Bangura at running back and uh, Sam Wiglitz at wide receiver. If those three can stay healthy, that's a talented team in Ohio. Oh, absolutely. And they have a couple of interesting games. They're at San Diego State in Week 0, and they're at Florida Atlantic on September 9th. Other than that, I don't see a whole lot. Uh, Connor Bazelak from Missouri has gone all the way down to Bowling Green. We'll see what yeah. happens there. Uh, Akron does have... Deep... He was the SEC Freshman of the Year a couple years back. Yeah, yeah, and he's now at Bowling Green. Yeah. DJ Irons, who was third-team Mac last year, is at quarterback at Akron. Again, entertaining player is worth a watch on a Tuesday night. And we may as well transition here. Kent State, quite possibly one of the worst teams in Division I football. They are in my top five of bad teams. Do we want to go there and start with your worst five teams in Division I football before we go to the playoffs? Oh, yeah, we need to, and and it's interesting that you said they were in your top five. They were at my fifth worst. They were the first one off my cut. So should we go from the bottom up or the top down? Man, I don't know. Okay, I'll tell you what. I'll go five to one with one being my worst team. Okay. 
Start with number five, Deion Sanders, Colorado Buffaloes. Oh, you went there. I was wondering if you'd go there. (laughs) Number four, Charlotte. Number three, Kent. Number two, UAB. And number one, the UMass Minutemen. Oh, man. So... We got the same number. We got the same number one here. Do we? <laughs> we do. We both. We got. We both got UMass. I had Charlotte number two on mine. You had yours further up the list. I I went off the board here. Um, I think. I think Nevada's a dumpster fire. Oh my! I think the Wolfpack is 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 really really bad. There's a lot. They just dumped off their uh, their quarterback coach today. There's a lot going on out there in Reno, and I'm not quite sure what it is. I'm throwing that one in as a hey, you know, going off the board a little bit there. Speaking and speaking of dumpster fires, let's go ahead and say it. We talked about them earlier. North, I'm throwing Northwestern. I'm putting Northwestern on the board here. Uh, they could totally lose that game to Howard to go 0 and 12. And if they do, I don't care what Sagarin says or any of that crap. They're, they're on the list. If they lose to Howard, then there's a very good chance that they don't win in a game in the United States in two years. For two years. Absolutely. So 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 going backwards there, Northwestern, Nevada, Charlotte, and UMass. Do, do you have a number five? Kent State was my number five. Kent's your number five? Yeah. All right. All right. And playoffs. I might as well throw mine out first because it's really not a surprise. I don't think there's going to be any entertainment here at all, except for, of course, when the college football committee throws out their their, their projections in the first week of November, and there's like stupid teams in the top ten, and everybody else screams and you know pictures of baby doll and that whole bit. And then the second, and then the entertainment the second week where the 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 release of the playoff poll gets delayed because the first game of the Champions Classic went to overtime, so they had to wait <laughs> in between the games to show the thing. Like it's, it's happened a couple times, so I'm looking forward to that happening into. But my playoff four are Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Clemson. There you go. Well, and, and we've got three of the four the same. I'm I've got I've got Georgia. And Clemson in the Sugar Bowl, and Michigan and LSU in the Rose Bowl. Ah, you think a second L- a- a- SEC team is going to get in? There. That'll be that. Yep, I think it'll be. I think it'll be a second SEC team. So uh, that's just it. There's only like maybe six teams that can get into the playoffs, and there's five of them right there. Yeah, that's why you should spend your time watching the Sun Belt, the American, and the Mountain West this year. Yeah, because because they're because they're basically all doing the BCS gimmick where the computers figure out who uh, who's the best team and they make the they make the big bowl game. Hey, okay, tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, hey, here we go. Uh, who who's your group of five? New Year's Day team. You you, you may have talked me into Troy. Oh, really? You may have talked me into Troy live here on the on the show, but I've got Boise written down. I just I I think of the of the big picture. I like them in the Mountain West. I think ultimately they'll prove themselves against a little bit better competition to be to be ready to roll. Troy will drop a stupid game along the way that cost them. I'm gonna. I, they're both homer picks, but I'm gonna take Boise here. I think they're finally back in the New Year's Six after a. Uh, they were in the first New Year's Six when they first did the playoff back in the day. They haven't been back since. I think they're back in the Fiesta Bowl this season. I think I'm gonna go with a long shot. I mentioned them as a long shot winner of the American 
No, no, no. I'm not going with Temple. I'm going with Florida Atlantic. <laughs> Florida Atlantic okay. to win the American and therefore taking the group of five spot. That'd be a that'd be a super cool deal. And and maybe they could get them into the Orange Bowl there. That'd be super oh, cool. Oh, that that would be that would be a really good location for Florida. That'd be a riot, yeah. All right, before we leave, we do have to talk pro wrestling for a bit because news broke just before we started recording. One of the great all-time NWA champions and, frankly, all-time great wrestlers and characters, Terry Funk, passed away at the age of 79. I said this online, and I mean it. Terry Funk is one of the greatest of all time. Terry Funk is one of the most underrated of all time. Both statements are true. Like, I don't think people really understand, especially the the the, the, the young kids these days. I'm, I'm, I'll get off my the, the The ones who never saw him with the NWA title never realized how good Terry Funk was. Anybody who's yeah. never seen Terry Funk wrestling in Japan with his brother Dory has no idea how good Terry Funk is. You could do a you could do a whole thing on how just just Terry's career in Japan was unbelievable. One of the greatest American careers in Japan ever. He could do it all. He 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 was he was credible as a main event champion, a, a an older mid card guy getting your young guys over, comedy heel, comedy baby face in your in your opening. You know, opening card, you could put him anywhere on the lineup, and he's going to bring you value. Psychotic heel, the work oh, he did man. with Jerry Lawler, the empty arena match. My eye, Lance, my eye. <laughs> the empty arena match. Year, you know, we're talking like seventeen years before uh, the Rock and Van Foley ripped it off for halftime heat. They did the original empty arena match. All-time classic. All his work with Dusty Rhodes in Florida is untouchable. Just, I mean, just the best. Just the batshit craziest promos you can imagine. There are promos of him where he where he doused himself in motor oil and covered himself with sand. Uh, there's the one where he 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 made the, the wooden cutout of Dusty Rhodes and cut it apart with a chainsaw live on TV. Uh, the man could sell you as completely psychotic. He was awesome. He was, he could cut a promo. He could work technical. He could brawl. You could put him anywhere on the card. He had an aura about him. He was incredible. He is every single thing you want in a pro wrestler. Terry Funk could do it and do it at the highest level. Highest praise. Yeah, he was, in my mind, there is a group of wrestlers that just epitomize the territory era. It's Terry and Dory, Harley Race, Dusty, Ric Flair. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of guys out there that, you know, you can say, oh, he was the greatest of all time. And you can run down a, a, a list of 20 guys where, you know, you can really real fast just say, oh, he's one of the all-time greats. You start to drill that down. There's only a handful of guys, and I'm not even sure you need more than one hand to count them, where their case is strong enough that the judge will actually take the case. Terry Funk is on that list. Well, I love what you tell me 
told me before we started recording. Somebody mentioned that he retired in 1983, and then they proceeded to talk about the next 40 years of wrestling that he did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Terry Funk retired a, a, a dozen times. That was always a joke with Terry. You know, he, he, you know, are you going to retire? How long is this one going to last? And, and it was always something. But he, he, in all the stories, he was generally one of the good guys. You know, the, the business has a lot of scumbags. And, and Terry was one of the good guys. Always, always looking out for the young kids, uh, giving them advice, helping them on the road, all that kind of stuff. Terry went to Hollywood, got his SAG card so he could qualify for the insurance. And kept up his hours enough so he can get the insurance uh, just to make sure he was taking care of himself. Yeah, and that was just it. Taking care of himself was a big thing. I believe it was uh, Vince McMahon that he just called one day and said, sorry, can't make the show. My horse is sick. Yeah. And left. Absolutely. (laughs) The double cross ranch was a shoot. It was a shoot. He had a ranch back in in Amarillo, Texas that, that... yeah, that, that that East Texas wrestling was incredible in those era, in that era because of Dory and Terry. And, and actually, yeah. Dory Sr. as well. Exactly, yeah. Rest in peace, Terry Funk, 79 years old. Dude, you gave us so many memories. Pour a few out for the egg-sucking Good dog. dog. <laughs> All-time freaking legend. Just go back and watch any any of the angles that he did. Any of them, they are all money. They are. They just are. I mean, and there's just crazy stuff that you think would never work. I remember seeing recently a match between Dory and Terry against Abdul the Butcher and the Sheik. And just the fact that Abdul and the Sheik are a tag team is crazy enough. But they actually made it work. You know, and it was a decent little eight-minute match, and it ended about the way you'd expect. But just fantastic what the Funks could do. And Terry was half of that. Man, let me tell you something. I was seven years old, watched the tape of the Clash of the Champions the next day when Terry Funk came down with that plastic bag and tried to suffocate Ric Flair oh, on national TV. Oh, jeez, yeah. Good Lord. It was, I mean, again, eat. selling it, selling it like he was a freaking lunatic. And J.R. and Corny on commentary, I mean, you just imagine it. I mean, just, just J.R. going all Bill Watts. Just, I mean, just, just selling the hell out. Just the best. The best. Absolutely loved it. Yeah, God, that was, was absolutely fantastic. Uh, and and if anybody has not seen the empty arena match, go out and find it. It's on YouTube. Again, it, it probably pales in today's standards just because today's standards are so stupidly outrageous. But for that time, that empty arena match was fantastic and so over the top. And it's because Terry Funk essentially does commentary on it the entire time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So funny. And it starts out, Lance Russell's great. Because it starts out with Lance introducing the the spot and saying, we don't know if we're going to have a match, but we're here in case we do. And he lights up a cigarette and says, well, I guess (laughs) if, if anybody sees this, we'll just have to edit this out. I forgot he lights up the smoke. That's, that was the best part. <laughs> and by the way, I, and I know we're getting away from Terry, but have you ever watched Mid South or not Mid South Memphis Wrestling, 
live arena matches where you can see Lance at the announce table. Because he is it's, so, his demeanor is so calm while his voice rises and falls with the action. And it's amazing what he can do with just his voice while it looks like he's half asleep. <laughs> it's just amazing. I was, wa- yeah, I was it, watching some Memphis last week and I forget how, how good Lance Russell was. Yeah, Lance Russell, he was just an incredible, incredible announcer and an incredible voice man. You know, he didn't have to put his body into it at all. It was all his voice. I'm not sure anybody could ever sounded disgusted better than Lance Russell did. Just or without being like, over the top. That's the key. Exactly. Yeah. Like Jim Ross would 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 go crazy on it. But Lance Russell was he was like your disappointed grandfather. That's it. Like, oh yeah. Come on. It was it was hilarious. Always always great. Yes, that's it. My disappointed grandfather. <laughs> All right, roll it back. Rest in peace, Terry Funk. Rest in peace, Lance Russell as well, for what it's worth. Absolutely. With that, we're going to come back to you on Wednesday afternoon with our week one predictions. Yes, all you gambling degenerates, welcome back to our midweek show where we guarantee you winners because we have quarterbacks. No, we have co-eds sleeping with quarterbacks. It just so happens the quarterbacks are sleeping with our co-eds. There we go. Absolutely. Man. God. I don't even know. For for Lance Russell, the American Dream Dusty Rhodes, and that egg-sucking dog Terry Funk. That's the best producer in the business, Alan Caps. I'm Mikey Watson. Back Wednesday, picks, money, guaranteed winners right here on Six Year Seniors. <laughs>